0: This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station, thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.
1: Well, hello there. How are you? Come on in. Sit down. Come for a walk around. You're looking good today. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? Right. And... Oh, just a moment. Right now, where was I? Yes. Saying, hello and how do you do? This is Dexter and Kidnappers Kids. Yes, indeed. We're going to jump right in with a story. It's a story that I've had played before and I'll play it again, no doubt. Hope you like it. This one is called Diana and the golden apples.
0: Once long ago in the wild backwoods of a country named Greece, a little baby girl, Diana, was traveling by horseback to the city of Athens with her mother and father. It was dangerous to travel through the rough, lonely country. Bands of robbers hid there. Even now, dark, cruel eyes watched little Diana and her parents as they went slowly on their way. Ahead of them was a clearing. Here, the bandits planned to seize Diana and her family and hold them for ransom. Behind the rocks and trees that surrounded the clearing, the robbers hid themselves. Just as Diana's father led the horses out of the forest, the bandits sprung out, screaming and waving their swords. Diana's father fought back fiercely, but there were too many for him. The bandits hurried to tie him to his horse. Suddenly, one robber shouted, A signal! A signal from the lookout! Hunters are coming! Afraid of the brave hunters, the bandits rushed away with their captives. But in their haste, they left little Diana behind. Only a few minutes passed, then the hunters broke into the clearing, but they were too late. The bandits had escaped. The hunters did not know what had happened to Diana's parents. They asked her where she came from. She was only a baby and she couldn't tell them. Not knowing what else to do, they took the little girl home with them to raise as their own child. As Diana grew into a young girl, she learned to be a huntress. Among all the children, only her best friend, a handsome boy named Melanion, could ride as well, shoot as straight, or run as fast as Diana. She was so happy staying with the hunters and her good friend Melanion, she almost forgot she had a mother and father of her own. Diana's mother and father were held captives for many years. Finally, they escaped. In all that time, they never gave up hope that they would find their daughter. One day, a soldier who had been hunting in the back country came to Diana's parents and told them he had seen a beautiful young girl. Soon, Diana's happy parents found her, and they all decided she would go back to the city with them. Diana tried not to cry when she had to leave. She called back to Melanion, When we are grown up, I will marry you." And she rode away. In Athens, Diana went to school and grew up to be a beautiful young lady. But she never forgot her happy years in the country. She never forgot how to ride, to run, and to shoot. And she never forgot her promise to Melanion. Many young men wished to marry Diana. Her parents thought a girl of her age should take a husband. It had been many years since she had seen Melanion, so Diana, to please her mother and father, promised to marry the first young man who could outrun her in a race. Many tried, but no one could run as fast as Diana. The people of Athens came by the hundreds to watch the races. Diana was their favorite. They cheered and laughed as she sprinted far ahead of her closest rivals. The onlookers tossed presents to her, and even during the race, Diana could pick up a gift and keep running fast enough to win easily. One day, a handsome soldier stepped close to her and said, Diana, will you run against me? Diana's heart beat faster. It was Melania's she smiled, for she remembered that as children, only Melanion could run faster than she. But her heart sank when she saw the large scar of a battle wound on his leg. They prepared to race. Knowing how she hoped Melanion would win, Diana's father gave the young soldier three golden apples and whispered something in his ear. At the line, a voice called, Go! Melanion sprang into the lead. Diana's friends cheered her on. She had to try as hard as she could. Diana began to gain. Out in front of her, he tossed a golden apple. She scooped it up. Melanion held his lead. Diana began to gain. Again, Melanion threw out a golden apple. She swerved to pick it up. The crowd cheered, but Melanion was still in front. Now the finish line was in sight. Diana was gaining. Melanion dropped the last apple. Diana reached down. The third apple was much heavier. For a split second, she slowed, then regained her speed. Just as she was about to catch him, Melanion crossed the finish line ahead of her. Though she had lost the race, all of Diana's friends were happy because she married her childhood sweetheart And lived happily ever after.
1: Now, I'm not sure what the weather's like outside. When I came in, it was raining a bit. But in here, in our hearts, it's nice and sunny. So let's join the Beach Boys with Kokomo. i okay. I've been reading bits of a Dr. Zeus book and, and I put it down a few weeks ago before Christmas <coughs> and I never quite got back to the rest of it. So here's another two pages. Hmm. Bump, bump, bump. Did you ever write a wump? We have a wump with just one hump. But we know a man called Mr. Gump. Mr. Gump has a seven hump wump. So if you like to go bump, bump, Just jump on the hump of the wump of Gump. Stay tuned for more next time. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Right. Oh, a
2: story. The Gingerbread Man. An old woman was baking one day and she made some gingerbread. She had some dough left over so she made the shape of a little man. She made little eyes for him a little nose, and a smiley mouth, all made of currants. And then she put little currant buttons all down his front. Then she laid him on a baking tray and put him in the oven. After a little while, she heard something rattling at the oven door. She opened it, and to her surprise, out jumped the little gingerbread man. She tried to catch him, but he slipped past her, calling as he ran run run as fast as you can you can't catch me i'm the gingerbread man she chased after him into the garden where her husband was digging he put down his spade and tried to catch him too but the gingerbread man ran past him calling run run as fast as you can you can't catch me i'm the gingerbread man he ran down the road with the old woman and the old man following Soon he passed a cow. The cow called out, Stop, gingerbread man! You look good enough to eat! But the gingerbread man laughed and shouted over his shoulder, I've run from an old woman and an old man. Run run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. He ran on with the old woman and the old man and the cow following. And soon they all passed a horse. Stop! called the horse, I'd like to eat you. But the gingerbread man called out, I've run from an old woman and an old man and a cow. Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. He ran on with the old woman and the old man and the cow and the horse following. And soon they passed some people making hay. Stop, they shouted, you look good enough to eat. But the gingerbread man called out, I've run from an old woman and from an old man and a cow and a horse. Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. He ran across the fields with the old woman and the old man, the cow and the horse and the haymakers all following. Soon he met a fox and called out, Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. The sly fox thought to himself, That gingerbread man looks good enough to eat. But he said nothing. He waited until the gingerbread man reached a river, with the old woman and the old man, the cow and the horse and the haymakers, all still chasing after him. Now the sly fox said, Jump on my back, gingerbread man, and I'll take you across the river. The gingerbread man jumped on the fox's back and the fox began to swim. As they reached the middle of the river where the water was deep, the fox said, Stand on my head, gingerbread man, or you will get wet. So the gingerbread man stood on the fox's head. As the current flowed more swiftly, the fox said, Move on to my nose, gingerbread man, so that I can carry you more safely I would not like you to drown. The gingerbread man slid onto the fox's nose. But when they reached the bank on the far side of the river, the fox suddenly went snap. The gingerbread man disappeared into the fox's mouth and was never seen or heard of again.
1: So now, if you've got a story, or that you'd like us to read that's me, Dexter, um, or you've got a story that we can play for you that someone else is reading, not me, yes, then send it in or give us a call and leave us a message on eight seven one zero for Kidnapper's Kids on Radio Ox Bay. That'd be great, yes. Thank you very much. It's lovely indeed. Yes. Oh, this isn't good. This isn't nice, Yes. If there's a hole in my bucket, I'll never catch any rainwater. Hmm.
3: Henry? Oh, Henry?
4: Yeah. You fetch the water Go fetch the water There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza a hole.
3: Will fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Will oh, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry. Fix it.
4: With what shall I fix it, dear laser, dear laser? With what shall I fix it, dear laser, with what?
3: With a straw, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. With a straw, dear Henry, dear Henry, with a straw.
4: But the straw is too long, dear laser, dear laser, the straw is too long, dear laser, too long Cut it, dear Henry,
3: dear Henry, dear Henry Well, oh, cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, cut it.
4: With what shall I cut it, dear laser, dear laser? With what shall I cut it, dear laser? With what?
3: With an axe, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry, with an axe, dear Henry, dear Henry, with an axe.
4: The axe is too dull, dear laser, dear laser, the axe is too dull, dear laser, too dull.
3: Sharpen it dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry.
4: I'll sharpen it dear Henry, dear Henry, hone it. <laughs> On what shall I sharpen it dear Liza, dear Liza? On what shall I hone it dear Liza? On what?
3: On a stone, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. On a stone, dear Henry, dear Henry, on a stone.
4: But the stone is too dry, dear Lazer, dear laser. The stone is too dry, dear laser, too dry.
3: Well wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Well wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry, wet it. <laughs>
4: With what shall I wet it, dear laser, dear Liza? With what shall I wet it, dear laser, with what?
3: Try water, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Try water, dear Henry, dear Henry, use water.
4: In what shall I fetch it, dear Liza, dear Liza, in what shall I fetch it, dear Liza, in what?
3: In a bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry, in a bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry, in a bucket. <laughs>
4: there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza a oh,
1: Here on Kidnapper's Kids, stories, songs and poems and sometimes jokes. If someone's got a joke for me, they can also send it in 8788710. Why did the chicken cross the road? According to someone, it was to go to the movies. <laughs> OK, yes. Next up, Thumbelina. <laughs>
5: Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing Thumbelina, dance, Thumbelina, sing Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall Though you're no bigger than my thumb Than my thumb Than my thumb Than my thumb Than my thumb, than my, thumb, than my, thumb than my thumb Sweet Thumbelina, don't be glum Don't be glum Now, now, now
6: Ah, 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 come, come, come.
5: Thumbelina, thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina dance, thumbelina sing. Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small? When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall. Then my toe, then my toe, ah, then my toe, then my toe, ah, then my toe.
6: toe, Sweet
5: Thumbelina, keep that glow, glow, and you'll grow, and you'll grow, and you'll grow. Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina, dance, Thumbelina, sing. Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small? When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall.
1: And we're just going to follow that up right with... A hearty hi-ho Silver and the Lone Ranger. And Silver, funnily enough. Yes. He wouldn't get far out far without Silver. He'd have to walk everywhere.
6: i ho Silver!
7: A horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty "Hiyo, Silver," the Lone Ranger. This is the legend of a man and a horse, and how they met. The story of the Lone Ranger and his great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger and Tonto were trailing the worst outlaw in the West. His name was Butch Cavendish. They had followed his trail for many weeks, until finally they noticed that the hoof prints of the outlaw's horse were fresh.
8: We're close to Cavendish now.
9: Yes, Tonto. He can't be far ahead. Him outrun us last time. Maybe better we shoot in sight. No, I want to take him alive. That shot. Look out. Steady there. Steady, boy. Over there ambush him right away. Tonto, he missed me, but he shot my horse. Get after him. Get him up, father.
7: Tonto's horse was tired and no match in speed for the animal Cavendish Road. The outlaw escaped. When Tonto returned from the futile chase, oh,
6: oh,
9: he found the lone ranger standing beside his dead horse. A good horse, Tonto. Loyal, faithful, and brave. But my next horse must be faster. I wish that... Tonto... We've heard stories of a wild horse, a fiery white stallion.
8: Ah, him seen near Valley, over there, where Cavendish go.
9: We'll be on the lookout for the wild horse while we follow Cavendish.
7: Toto's horse carried the Lone Ranger's saddle, his saddlebags and bridle, while the masked man and the Indian continued on foot along the outlaw's trail. When they reached the top of a hill... Look, Toto. ...they halted suddenly and stared at an awe-inspiring sight far down in the valley. They saw a great white stallion in a death fight with a giant buffalo. The horse was plunging, rearing, charging, and dodging wildly, and the sun flashed from his coat as from a coat of polished silver. They realized that this was the legendary white stallion, the one ranchers and hunters had talked so much about. Toto, we must have that horse. I'll try to shoot the buffalo. It's too far for pistol shot. I'll get closer before it's too late. As he ran downhill, the lone ranger watched the battle. The sleek white stallion was nimble and courageous, but his strength began to wane. The buffalo charged again and again. The splendid muscles of the white horse were slower in responding, then too slow. He was caught by the buffalo's charge. Wet crimson stained his pure white coat. Another charge. The white horse saw it coming and he couldn't dodge. He staggered and fell. The monster drew back and lowered his head for the death charge and then two shots rang out the buffalo shuddered from the impact of the masked man's bullets for an instant he stood motionless then fell and bruised, the white stallion lay quietly as the lone ranger bathed his wounds. During the next several days, the masked man and the Indian cared for the injured horse. Then the wounds were closed, and the horse's strength had returned. There was once more fire in his eye, a spring in his step,
9: and his head was lifted proudly. Otto, he's himself again.
8: Ah, him, plenty strong. Plenty good horse.
9: I wonder if he'll take a saddle. Let's try. Steady there. Steady boy.
8: Let me get rope. Him run
9: away. No, Toto, wait. Let him go. I'd like to have that horse more than anything in the world, but he deserves his freedom. He fought for it. Him stop. He's turned to look at us. See how the sun reflects from his white coat? Ah. Him look like silver. Silver. That would be a name for him. Silver. Look at him. Silver! Hey, Silver! (laughs) Toto, he's coming back. It's just as if he knew what I said. Silver! (laughs) Silver, you beauty. Hand me the halter, Toto. Uh As the
7: mighty stallion felt the halter, he trembled as if from a chill. Uh Every instinct told him that he must flee at once to preserve his freedom. And yet he stood his ground. It wasn't gratitude that kept him there. It was something stronger some mysterious bond of friendship and understanding. He heard the man's voice, and he liked it. Silver.
9: Silver. We're going to be partners.
8: (coughs) Him let you use halter.
9: Now, Toto, the saddle.
8: Oh, no horse like that. Take saddle.
9: There never was a horse like this. Now, Silver,
7: we're going to work together. The horse was wild and unused to the ways of men, and the weight of a saddle and a rider... But the masked man was a kind teacher. He was gentle yet firm, and Silver was intelligent. The stallion seemed to sense the desires of the Lone Ranger and did his best to cooperate. He learned quickly, and after several days of training,
9: he was ready. Follow me, Toto. I'm going after Cavendish. Come on, Silver!
7: No hoofs had ever beat the plains like those thundering hoofs of the great horse Silver. During the past few days, Cavendish had gotten far away, but the masked man and Tonto trailed him relentlessly with only a minimum of rest. It took days to cut down the outlaw's lead, but at long last, Cavendish came into view.
6: There he is. Come on, Silver!
7: The mighty stallion responded with a new burst of speed. Cavendish fired wild shots over his shoulder until his gun was empty. His horse, though powerful and fast, was no match for the charging Silver. Fear and panic filled the outlaw's Get face. Up, he heard the hoofbeats ever nearer, along, and then the masked man shout, "I want you, Cavendish!" The masked man's avowed mission was accomplished. The last of the Cavendish gang was captured to be tried by law and punished for his crimes. But there were many others whose criminal plans were to be challenged by the Lone Ranger, his faithful Indian companion Toto, and his great horse Silver. I am Silver.
1: like i said stories sometimes some jokes and some songs and here's a song right now you can sing a song of sixpence I hope you're having fun today. I'm having a barrel of laughs. And yes, well, whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera.
10: When I was just a little girl I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see, que sera, sera. Her wise reply Case said I said I whatever will be will be the future's not ours to see case I said I What
6: will be will be
10: when I grew up and fell in love? my lover what lies ahead Will we have rainbows day after day? Guess what my lover said
6: Case said Whatever will be will
10: be The future's not ours to see K said I said I Now I have children of my own They ask their mother, what will I be?
6: Will I be pretty? Will I be rich?
10: I tell them, wait and see Que sera sera Whatever will be, will be The future's not ours to see say it said i what will be will be what will be will be what will be will
1: be what will be will be well you know it feels like we've just raced through today i hope you've had a great time i've had a great time finding some songs and stories and things for you the Sparky and the Token Train.
11: Do you like trains? There was a little boy once who liked trains. As a matter of fact, he more than just liked them, he loved trains. His name was Sparky, and he lived right near the railroad depot on Station Street and he was always talking about the trains that went by. He lived so close to them that he could stand in front of his house and wave to the engineer, and then count the cars as they passed. Sparky liked the passenger trains because they went so fast, and he longed someday to ride on one. You see, he never had. Sparky liked freight trains, too, because they were so long and had so many different kinds of cars on them. Sparky even learned the names of the different cars and used to call them out as he watched a freight train go by like this.
6: Box car, tank car, gondola,
12: gondola, box car, refrigerator car, tank
6: car, caboose. Goodbye!
11: Sparky gradually learned a lot about trains from his father, who had a big job with the railroad. And he liked to talk about the things he knew with the other kids in the neighborhood.
12: Do you know what the big wheels on the engine are for? Sure, anybody knows that. That's what the engine rides on. Yeah, who doesn't know that? Well, the engine rides on them all right, but the big wheels are the ones that have the power. They make the train go. They're called drivers. Well, if you're so smart, what are those little wheels in the front for? They're the pony trucks. They guide the train on the tracks and make it go around turns. Well, what if they do? I'd rather play baseball and talk about trains. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Sparky, let's get up again. Well, uh, I'd rather stay here. The Express is coming through in a couple of minutes, and I wouldn't want to miss
6: it.
11: <laughs> yes, Sparky would rather watch the Express go by than play ball, shoot marbles, or almost anything. And it was a lucky thing that he did stay to watch the Express that day, because for the first time, a very strange and unusual thing happened. You see, here's what happened. The Express train came on time as usual. And as usual, Sparky stood in front of his house and called out the cars as they went by. Of course, passenger cars this time.
12: Engine, coal car, baggage, mail car, coach. Diner, Pullman, Pullman, Observation card.
6: Goodbye!
5: Goodbye,
6: Sparky! What?
12: The train! I mean the whistle! It talked to me! It, It said goodbye, Sparky. I heard it just as plain. And it talked, it talked to me. Mother,
13: did you hear it? For goodness sake, what's all the excitement? I'm in the kitchen, dear. Mother, the, the train, it talked. It talked to me. Now, really, what in the world do you mean the train talked to you? It did. It answered me when I said goodbye. It was in the whistle. It. it Mother,
12: don't you believe me? Don't you believe the train talked? Well,
13: now, now look, darling. Trains just don't talk. They're not human. They're just machines, dear. You see, it was your imagination. You just thought you heard the train answer you. It was not my imagination. I heard it. I heard it plain as anything. Now, that's enough of that. We'll talk to your daddy about it when he gets home. Maybe he can make you understand. Now, run upstairs and wash. Daddy'll be home soon, and we're having an early dinner. But, Mother, the I tra- said we'd talk about it when your daddy gets home. Now, do as I say. Yes, Mother...
11: And poor Sparky went upstairs to get ready for dinner as his mother had told him to do. But he just couldn't wait for his father to get home because he was sure he would understand. After all, his father worked for the railroad and if trains could talk, then his father must certainly have heard them. He could hardly wait. And when he finally heard his father coming up the walk, he ran down to meet him.
12: Daddy, can't trains talk? Can't they, Daddy?
11: Talk, Sparky?
8: (laughs) Well, they make enough noise. But I'd hardly say they can talk.
12: But, Daddy, I heard it. I heard it just as plain. Oh,
8: now, Sparky, I think your imagination is running away with you. You're thinking too much about trains.
12: But, Daddy! Oh,
8: now, don't be silly, Sparky. Come on, supper's ready. And we don't want it
11: to get cold.
12: Yes, Daddy.
11: Poor Sparky. It seems nobody would believe him, not even his friends at school, when he told them about it the next day.
12: But the train did talk to me. I heard it, it did. Oh, boy, that's a funny one. Trains talking. Who ever heard of a train talking? You're crazy, Sparky. You're train crazy. You've been watching those trains so much, you think they talk to you. All right, if you don't believe me, come on over to the depot and hear for yourself. The local is coming in. Maybe it will talk too. Come on, if you're so smart.
11: So Sparky and his friends went down to watch the local come in. The local stopped at the station right by Sparky's house.
12: Oh, I am tired. Hear that? Hear it? I don't hear nothing. I Me. Mean,
6: butt 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 bye
11: good bye The other kids couldn't hear the train talking. Perhaps it was because they didn't like trains as much as Sparky did. Perhaps the trains didn't want anyone else to hear them. Everyone in school talked about it and laughed at Sparky until he could hardly stand it. The older kids teased him and the younger kids pointed at him and giggled. So Sparky didn't play with them much anymore. In fact, he was a pretty sad and lonely boy, and he stopped telling anyone about the talking trains, even his parents. Sparky stayed pretty much by himself after that and said no more about trains. Even his mother and father noticed how quiet he was, and they began to worry about him.
13: I'm worried about Sparky. He's so quiet and he seems so unhappy.
11: I know.
8: I've noticed it, too.
13: Isn't there something we can do? Nothing seems to interest him.
8: I know. He's always wanted to take a train ride. Why don't I take him into town tomorrow on the early train?
13: That's a good idea. That'll certainly make him happy. Maybe if he rides on a train, he'll forget those silly ideas of his about trains talking. Sparky? Yes, Mother? Come in here a minute, dear. Yes?
8: Sparky? How would you like to ride to town with me tomorrow? On the train?
12: To town? On the train? Oh, yes, Daddy. Will you take me? Will you really?
11: (laughs) Ah, that put a little life into Sparky. A ride on the train. He could hardly wait until the next morning. But the time finally came and Sparky and his dad climbed into the first car where Sparky wanted to ride. It wasn't long until they were speeding along. Sparky was just about as happy as a boy could be.
12: How fast are we going?
8: Oh, about 50 miles an hour, I guess.
12: How far is it to town from here?
8: Well, I don't know for sure, Sparky. About 30 miles, probably.
0: It's 21 miles, it's 21 miles, it's 21
11: miles to go. It's 21 miles, Daddy.
8: Well, how would you know, Sparky? Here comes the conductor, I'll ask him. How far are we from town, conductor?
11: We just passed Fair Oaks. Uh, it's exactly 21 miles.
12: Oh,
8: that's odd. How could you know so exactly, Sparky?
12: Well, the trainer... Well, I just know.
11: Hmm. Oh, that's odd. Odd indeed. Yeah, Sparky's father didn't understand it. You see, he didn't know that the train had told Sparky how far it was. And Sparky didn't bother to tell him because he knew it would just make him angry again. So on they rode to town. But a strange and exciting thing was to happen before they ever got there. Sparky and his father sat in the train as it rolled along without talking for a while. All of a sudden, the clicking wheels of the train began calling Sparky. Help me, Sparky.
6: Help me, Sparky. Help me, Sparky. Help me, Sparky. Sparky. What's the matter?
11: Nothing's
8: the matter. What do you mean, Sparky?
12: Oh, uh, excuse me. Nothing, Daddy. Up, wheel is loose, up, wheel is loose, up, wheel is loose, up, wheel is loose. Wheel is loose. wheel is loose? Which one?
8: Sparky, who in the world are you talking to? Right front
12: wheel,
6: right front wheel, right front
12: wheel. Daddy, Daddy, the right front wheel is loose on this car. Stop the train, tell a conductor. Daddy, please.
8: Sparky, stop that shouting. What are you talking about? How do you know a wheel is loose?
12: The train had told me. Well, I just know. Please, Daddy, tell a conductor to stop the train.
8: Sparky, be quiet. Everyone is looking at you. Now, don't tell me the train's been talking to you again and told you it has a loose wheel.
12: Yes, Daddy, it did. It told me. We have a loose wheel, and there will be a terrible wreck if the train doesn't stop.
8: Sparky, I've just had enough of this nonsense. Now you sit down and be quiet. There's nothing wrong with this train, and we're going to be in town in ten minutes.
12: But Daddy, but Daddy, you've got to listen to me. If you won't do something, I will. I'll pull a cord up there, the emergency cord. That will put on the brakes and stop the
6: train.
8: Sparky, get down off that seat. Don't pull that cord. Stop. Sparky, stop! <laughs>
11: What's the matter? Who pulled the emergency cord? Who stopped the train? I did, uh, sir. You did?
8: <laughs> yes, Conductor, I, I'm afraid my son did, and I'm terribly sorry. Now, if you just start the train, I'll see that he's punished when we get home.
12: Conductor, there's a loose wheel on this train, on the right front. And if you start this train again, there will be a terrible accident. Sparky,
8: I told you... Please,
12: that... Mr. Conductor, please go out and look at the wheel. What's the matter with this boy, anyway?
8: Well, here. He thinks the train was talking to him. It's just his imagination. Now, please start the train, and uh, I'll keep him quiet.
12: Wait. I'll make you believe me. I can prove that the train talked to me. Daddy, remember I told you when we were 21 miles from town?
8: Yes, but... Uh, how did
12: I know that?
8: Well, I don't know. I, uh... The
12: train told me. That's how I knew. That ought to show you the train talked to me. And the train told me it has a loose wheel. Daddy, please just take a look and see.
8: Well, you did say 21 miles when that's just what it was. Maybe we should take a look at that.
11: Now, you're not going to start that talk, too. I'm going to signal the engineer to go on. I've had enough of this monkey business. Now,
8: wait, conductor. Here's my card. I'm the eastern division manager of this railroad. And I demand that you inspect the right front wheels on this car.
11: Well, well, I guess I have to. And all three of them went out to look at the wheel that Sparky had said was loose. And sure enough, when they examined it carefully, it was so loose that in another few miles it would have come off and there would certainly have been a terrible wreck. The conductor, Sparky's father, and even all the people on the train were amazed.
13: Well, what do you know? You see, the boy was right.
11: Why, the wheel really is loose, and just the one the little boy said. Well, what do you know about that? The wheel was fixed and the train went on to town. But by the next day, everybody for miles around had heard about Sparky and how he had saved so many lives. His picture was in all the newspapers and he was quite a hero. The kids back home no longer laughed at him. In fact, they all wanted to be his friend because he was so famous. The president of the railroad even gave him a medal. It was at a special ceremony at the municipal building.
9: Sparky, it gives me
11: great pleasure to present you with this medal in appreciation for your service to this railroad. Uh, Is there anything you would like that we can give you? Anything? Anything at all.
12: Can I ride in the engine of the express? Can I?
11: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sparky, if that's what you want, you certainly can. It'll be an honor. And Sparky did. He rode in the engine right up with the engineer and came speeding through town at 80 miles an hour. And he blew the whistle, too. Of course, all the kids in town were there watching when he went past, and he waved to them, and they waved back, wishing that they could ride there, too. He went by so very, very fast... And that's the story of Sparky and the trains. He still rides up in the engine occasionally. And if you watch for him, you might see him almost any time. And I'll tell you something else. If you get to like trains as well as Sparky did, and if you listen carefully enough, maybe you'll hear them talk too.
1: Last one. Yes. And so... I say farewell. I wish you luck. Be kind to one another. And we leave you with knick knack paddywhack. Give a dog a bone. Ta-da for out.